Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge, looking at the Old Testament for the year of 2022. Uh, we are just chugging right along. We are going to go through the end of Isaiah today, and we're following the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints schedule week by week from the Sunday School curriculum titled Come Follow Me. And uh, this week, it's covering Isaiah 58 through 66, and the next two weeks after this, we'll cover the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations. Well, my last two videos have been kind of lengthy, so hopefully this will uh, be a, a bit of a shorter one. You already know, you've seen the time, and I don't know. How weird is that? Time is a weird thing, isn't it? Uh that's just kind of putting my brain in a pretzel thinking about how all this works. But today we're just going to cover the happy ending of Isaiah. And there is a, a very happy ending because regardless of all the things that go on in the world, despite man's attempts through his sin to exalt himself and to lift himself up, God is going to win. And uh, God's putting together his amazing story of redemption to bring glory and honor to his own name, that he might receive all praise and glory and honor for all eternity. And so we're just going to be talking about, you know, little stuff like that today. That's all. <laughs> well, let's uh, jump into the end of Isaiah 60. Isaiah is 66 chapters, and this is the end of chapter 60. And let's read a portion here where God is speaking to his people Israel, starting at verse 18. God says, Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. The smallest one will become a clan, and the least one a mighty nation I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Well, that's a very hopeful passage, isn't it? Uh, very descriptive of how Israel is going to not only enjoy salvation and the spiritual benefits of what God is doing among them, but they will be totally restored. God is going to save them and restore them in their land and give them a sweet, safe, dwelling place where they will have peace on every side from all their enemies forever. They will be in their land forever, and they will enjoy uh, the God of their salvation forever. Well, how exactly is, is God going to bring that about? Because there are a lot of, from our perspective, there are a lot of hurdles in the way, right? Um, there are a lot of people who don't want Israel to succeed in the world. So how is God going to do that? Well, the very next verse is chapter 61, verse 1 of Isaiah, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to the afflicted, 
and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So in endeavoring to see how God is going to restore and rebuild Israel and their land as they are saved by him, we see in the first verse of chapter 61 here that there is a me who is anointed by God, who has the Spirit of the Lord, who brings good news, who binds up the brokenhearted, who proclaims liberty and freedom to captives and prisoners, who proclaims the favorable year of the Lord, and to comfort people who mourn, and to grant people joy and gladness in place of mourning and fainting. So all kinds of stuff is is going on through this me person. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Well, if you thought that passage sounds uh, familiar, that's because it comes up in Jesus's life. And so now we're actually going to fast forward and see how Jesus uses this passage and uh, gives us some insight here. After he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, Jesus began his public ministry, and it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. <laughs> what? I bet it was kind of quiet, too. They're just looking at Jesus after he read it. And then listen to this, verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whoa, that's pretty amazing. Well, um, Let's make a note here about the word fulfilled. You'll see the word fulfilled come up a lot in the New Testament in reference to the Old Testament. And it doesn't always mean everything that was said has happened 100% of the way, done, completed, here and now. Uh, that's not. It, it sometimes means that, but that's not always what it means. And here's a case where he's not saying that um, absolutely everything that Isaiah was referring to has come about totally and completely here and now. That's not what Jesus is saying. But instead, Jesus is identifying himself as the anointed one, which is what Messiah means. The Hebrew word for Messiah means anointed or chosen one, and uh, Jesus is called the Christ because he's the chosen one of God, the Messiah. That's the Greek word, Christ, Christos. And he has been chosen and anointed to bring the gospel to the world as the Savior of the world. Jesus here is identifying himself 
as the one that Isaiah talked about, which, of course, if Jesus isn't God, then this is blasphemous. If, if Jesus is lying here, then he's not Savior. All right, so th- there are ways that, that this could be a uh, really damning situation for Jesus, but he is God, the one true God of the universe, and he is Savior, and so when he, when he says this, he's being totally truthful, totally correct, uh, Isaiah's prophecy is his word, after all, because Jesus is God. So he's telling the people who are sitting there in that synagogue, I mean, can you imagine being in a tender of, of synagogue that day? <laughs> Maybe not having any idea, really, of who Jesus was at the time, and you show up, and you sit down, and then here he is saying, this is me. Wow, wow, wow. And, and we see what, what God is doing in his redemptive story is not snapping his fingers and boom, it's all done, but he, he does things progressively throughout time. And so as Jesus is there in the synagogue, he's you know over 700 years after Isaiah and saying, this is fulfilled in your midst, I am the anointed one. We also recognize that now we're in this thousands of years process of him building his church, and there's still coming this future time where God is going to save Israel and put them back in the land and plant them in the land, as Isaiah said a couple of times there in those passages we looked at, that they would inherit the land forever and they, they would be restored and redeemed through Jesus. So so there's stuff going on progressively. It's like layers happening, layer upon layer. And it all is hinged upon Jesus, the anointed one. All of it is founded upon the one who makes it possible, who is Jesus, the one who preaches and anoints, who proclaims liberty. And it's happening right now in a spiritual sense in the church, as he's building his church from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And then in the future, of course, it's going to happen to one nation specifically, and that's that's Israel. Well, I want to go close to the end of um, the book of Isaiah, because once God redeems all whom he's going to redeem out of his creation, once God, through the anointed one, proclaims liberty to each one's heart and opens blind eyes and restores all things, and redemption has has really truly been fulfilled and completed all the way 100% in, in what Isaiah was talking about, then there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and that is the final state for all eternity for God and his creatures. And Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, starting at verse 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100, and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them, They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as 
the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. And then the last two verses, it will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will not they will do no evil, rather, or harm in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. All right. Well, what a beautiful picture of what's going to happen in the end. And again, it starts off with this statement, God saying, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And so that's the end. That's that final eternal state where he says, former things won't be remembered. They won't even enter your mind. And there will be gladness and rejoicing forever. They, they will walk in gladness forever. Um, there, there will be no limitation of uh, time or age in this new heaven and new earth. This is eternity. Yet, in this prophecy, um, Isaiah is led by the Spirit here to also describe the ages that lead up to the new heaven and new earth. And so there's this picture up front of where this is all going, the new heaven and new earth. And then it backs up a little bit too, because if you noticed, it says in verse 20... I'll bring it up on the screen for those watching along. Verse 20, the end of verse 20, it says, The one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. Okay, that's that's interesting. And uh, you also see in verse 23 that there are children still being born. Uh, you, you kind of see it too at the start of verse 20, but it says in verse 23, They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. Uh, they, they're the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. So those two things, you got people who die at the age of 100. Now, they're considered youths still at the age of 100. So they're dying, which is like what's happening now, but 100 years old is young, which is very different than what's happening now. It also says that um, God says that his people will have lives like the age of a tree. And so Trees aren't eternal, but they do live for a long time. So our, our the length of days is longer for a normal lifespan, it seems. Um, but there's still death happening, and there are children being born too, which is also very interesting. Uh, how could there be death in the new heavens and new earth? Well, the answer is that Isaiah is not talking about the new heavens and new earth in those portions. He's actually backed up a bit, hasn't he? And when he talks about... Uh, one dying at the age of 100, uh, he's talking about that happening in some sort of period of time that exists before God creates a new heaven and new earth that is different than this time. And I, I put this in the time of the Messianic kingdom. You see over and over again in the Old Testament especially, but also in the New Testament, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is going to have a kingdom. A, a physical kingdom on earth, not just a spiritual invisible kingdom, but a very explicit, physical, visible kingdom on the face of the earth where he will be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem and he's going to subdue all of his enemies and he's going to reign perfectly as the perfect ultimate man, steward, king. He's going to fulfill 
um, all sorts of scriptures. And, and that's going to happen for a thousand years. We get that number 1,000 years just from one passage, and that's in Revelation 20. Well, during that time, um, you're going to have a mix of people who have been glorified and people who have not yet been glorified. And you're going to have a redeemed people and then some people who aren't redeemed. You're going to have some people who will be dying and some people who won't be dying. And we have a, a whole bunch of like little snippets of commentary about this time that we have to piece together from across Scripture. And this is one of those, where leading up to the time where there will be a new heaven and new earth, there's going to be this kingdom where the Messiah is ruling and reigning, and people are going to live longer in this kingdom, it appears, uh, generally speaking. Some will die young, and young is going to be 100 years old. Okay, Um, But this is all leading up to the time when... As 1 Corinthians 15 says, the Son hands the kingdom over to the Father. After this time of ruling and reigning, the Son hands over the kingdom to God the Father. He even puts himself in subjection to the Father. And then there's a new heavens and a new earth. And in that new heaven and new earth, there will be gladness and rejoicing forever. Uh, It will be new. All things will be new. And uh, there will be no temple, there will be no light, for the Lord is its temple and its light. You read about this at the end of Revelation, along with what we read in Isaiah. Um, and, and all things will be made whole. Never again will there be sin in the world, and there will not be any death, there will not be any mourning. It will be a, uh, a really wonderful time for those who believe. And to end up there, you do have to believe. Because Revelation doesn't only detail this millennial reign of Jesus Christ, it also details the great white throne judgment of God. And at the great white throne judgment, you have all people, great and not great, big and small, everybody lined up before the great white throne. Their deeds are are in books, and they're revealed. And there's this book, this one book called the Book of Life, and if their name is not found in the Book of Life, they're cast into the lake of fire, never to have another chance to believe, but they will spend eternity apart from God in hell in the lake of fire. Uh, we use that term hell kind of in a way that's not exactly biblically accurate, but they'll, they'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's, that's what that means, um, as most people think of it, hell. Well, how do you know if you will be at that great white throne judgment and end up in the lake of fire, or if you will be in relationship with God forever in a new heaven and a new earth? Well, it all depends on what you do with the gospel. The good news, the message that Jesus was anointed to proclaim, that he came into the world to share about liberty and uh, setting free the captives and giving people eyes to see and ears to hear. What do you do? with the message of Christ. Do you recognize that you need a Savior because you have earned for yourself death and hell? You have earned for yourself eternal punishment from God because of your willful rebellion against Him? If you recognize that, well, then there's good news. God Himself came into the world. The Word existed in the beginning with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. And the Word became flesh, John 1, 14, and He dwelt among us. He lived the life that you couldn't live. It was a perfect life. And He died the death that you deserved for your sin. He took the punishment that you deserved based on law, 
Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You were the cursed. You should have been on the cross. But Jesus was on the cross in your place for your sin, and he rose again the third day, taking up his own life, proving that he is who he said he was, that if you believe in his finished work and you trust in what God has done on your behalf, his righteousness gets transferred to your account on the basis of faith. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. Your sins can be forgiven if you believe that God will justify you, the ungodly one, on the basis of Jesus' merits as you place your faith in what he has done. And if you do that, if you genuinely believe, if you if you come to Christ and you lay your life down and say, Jesus, I am yours, I, I throw the full weight of my trust on what you have done, you can be forgiven. You will be totally forgiven once for all, all sin, past, present, and future, taken care of by the blood of Jesus, and you can be known by God, and walk with Him for all eternity. That can be you. Well, I uh, hope that interests you. It should. And uh, this is this is the good news that the Bible presents, and I'd love to talk to you more about it. If you have questions, uh, just let me know. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to just me, this broken vessel, carry on about God's happy ending to His redemptive story. I hope to see you there. God bless.